Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of What's Happening in Travel. I'm here with my buddy, Bushro, and I am Kerwin, and this is episode 66. And what day are we doing this, Bushro? Is it the 6th of February? Say Saturday, February 6th. So uh, it's kind of a bleaky day here in Houston. It's probably going to be bleaky all day. But, um, Kusha, what background do you have back there? Um, I have an image of the 777-9 flying over some area with a lot of windmills. I just, that just caught my fancy. Uh, there you go. I was going to say that could be Texas, but it's not. <laughs> no. You, you do know that Texas has a huge windmill farm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's quite amazing. And it's very, it's like up by yeah. Umbrella up there. Um, it's very extensive. And the fact that we're going to talk about this aircraft a little bit later made yeah, it cool. appropriate to select this. Perfect. Um, do you ever see the, the, the windmill um, when, they, when they pass an I-10? No, but I've seen them elsewhere. Oh, yeah, they're pretty amazing. I mean, they just... yeah. The, the, the trailers are uber long and uh, and apparently what they- Oh, you mean being carried? Yeah, being the, carried. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. the blades. Yeah, the blades, yes. sorry, I should say, I should say that properly. Yes. Um, and apparently they're changing the blades, the okay. older technology. And so that's why um, there was quite a bit of them a little while back. Yeah. All right, so, um, and I have a picture taken last year sometime of a flight that we wanted to take, Kushro. <laughs> this is an amazing flight. We blinked and it was idea. gone. See that. Huh? We blinked and it was gone. I know. It didn't even survive a year. Yeah, it just, yeah, it really went. This is our Ethiopian 787. Is that the eight or the nine that they brought here? Uh, I think it was the eight. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's parked, waiting. I think what it did, it used to come in one day and it left the next day. So then they wait. That alone was there. a killer. I mean, yeah, the Such aircraft utilization system. is shot too. But Nothing. this is the one that did so the Togo and then Addis, right? Correct. Yeah. And so we wanted to do that. We're actually going to do it in December last year, uh, December 2019 into 2020. Right. But that didn't quite work out. And, uh, and now the flight's gone. It's all your fault. Yep. <laughs> Blame COVID. Uh, I know, I know. It's just uh, life is so different now. But um, so that's the background of, that we have. And um, one thing to remember is that um, if you go to um, YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash cruise and altitude you can actually find the episode i've started to uh, re-upload the video versions of the episode so you can watch them there if you want and um, the audio versions you can go to passrider.com slash w-h-i-t and uh, you can see all the episodes there all 65 so far this is number 66 actually there's 64 one still missing you're still gonna uh, upload that one and uh, you can also go to spotify and google and Amazon, uh, just search for our names, Carwin McKenzie or Kusher Park, or search for what's happening in traveling. You can find us there and leave a review, give us feedback. We actually have some feedback. We're gonna um, talk about it in a, uh, as the episode goes on. Mm. But first we are gonna go to um, Canada 
And uh, as you know, the 737 MAX is, or whatever they're calling it now, is flying again. And I don't think- I don't know if we're ever going to stop talking about this plane. Oh, never. Which may be a good thing or a bad thing. I know, right? Um, Which perspective you take. Well, you know, there's a lot of them sitting out there. So if you guys need a, a, yes. a, a cheapo 737, you can get one. And tell us what Flair Airlines, which I always thought was a really- And clearly Flair did that. So this was the reason it got my attention uh-huh. is that Flair Airlines is a tiny, um, relatively speaking, ULCC based in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, they have hubs in uh, Winnipeg, Vancouver, and Toronto. And they mainly fly to um, sun destinations in um, south of Canada. Yeah. Um, mainly. But they started out, or they had three 737 800s. And then all of a sudden, um, they announced this massive order for 13 737 MAX 8s. Uh, which I'm sure they got a terrific deal yep. because um, Boeing has had about a thousand cancellations of um, 737 MAX orders and they had several hundred that were built with nowhere to go. So um, I think this order seems to be part of that um, uh, backlog that has been yeah. uh, but surely dwindling because the deliveries for these new planes start um, almost imminently. So um, they're all configured for 189 seats in one class economy. And um, that's really Flair joins, <laughs> well, yeah, but not out of the ordinary though, not 200 that uh, yeah, that's a Ryanair is doing. But it joins Air Canada, WestJet, and Sunwing as all operators of the 737 MAX. Okay. So, um, so yeah, it, it struck me that Canada is one of the few countries, I think, where almost all the airlines have 737. So, and the MAX. Um, well, you know, you know it's, it's right across the border, so they're supporting North American aviation. Control. Yes, this is true. <laughs> this is true. So, yeah, not to uh, mention, you know, they get a sweet deal. Oh, I'm sure they do. They plan to have 50 aircraft in their fleet within five years. Yeah. Um, but I guess with um, all leisure traffic from Canada's going south shut down, uh, they're going to use these aircraft on their domestic routes, like all the others. Yeah, so, interesting. Because um, I was reading that Air Canada Rouge, which is the equivalent arm of Air Canada, has completely shut down until March. Yes, they have, which makes because, sense because they just do all the all the um, the snowbird routes, and right. they they've stopped flying. The country has stopped has closed its international borders, right? Essentially, yes. Yeah. I think no they're allowing certain no international flights. Right. And that's one of the main destinations for a lot of these airlines. Yeah. And based on a new Government of Canada regulation that was um, apparently instituted with relatively little advance notice, 
a lot of carriers just shut down their uh, Caribbean uh, flights almost overnight. And it's so, one of the reasoning behind that is that they had a few flights that arrived from the Caribbean. Right, and, with uh, infections. With infections, uh, plus people just aren't adhering to the guidelines. Taking this seriously. Yeah. We can talk about this till we go blue in the face with people. Um, and I know that, uh, so, you know, the, the strains of the virus have come from the UK, come to the Caribbean, and then people who are in the Caribbean, mixed with those people from the UK, and then they go back to Canada and take it with them. And so they, well, that, but I don't think this, that strain has showed up in Canada yet. What they're trying to do is to stop it from happening. Hmm. Um, so I believe uh, at least Air Canada Rouge has shut down until sometime the middle of March or in yeah. that time frame, and which I is assume, pretty substantial. Oh yeah, I assume Air Transit is gonna do the same thing. Yes, they have. Yeah. Yes. As has WestJet, and now we find out Flair. Yeah. So yeah, we have a pause again, but the good thing is I did notice that they said that the um, the rate of infection has, at least in the U.S. anyway, has gone down in North America. I believe. Yeah. Uh, the deaths are still haven't really moved, but uh, it's come down a little bit, but still fairly substantial. Yeah, so I guess once the infections are, have, um, but you know, they also report that when they look at the numbers, um, every time after a major event, the numbers uh, spike again. Go so up. Expecting it to yep. go up again in a few weeks um, because of the Super Bowl weekend that we currently have in the US today, this weekend. Mm -hmm. um, we will never learn. No, so come on, people. I know you want to get back to normal, but. Can we just, can we just behave? <laughs> I want to go flying for crying out loud and not worry about it. Um, uh, all right, jeez. Um, so some, I, I see my friends flying all over the place and um, they're showing some pretty good meals on a lot of these flights, you know, like Qatar. They're like, well, it's almost like it was before now, you know, there's no, you know, apart from, yeah, somebody has a mask on um, who's serving you and they have gloves and stuff on, um, which, you know, they should have had in the first place, Gosha, because you're serving people food for crying out loud. One thing COVID has done is it's make us just step back and go, oh my God, we were so, <laughs> we were so weird when we did things before. Um, and so uh, Lufthansa, um, you know, I don't want to be left behind because everybody else have figured out, oh yeah, we can actually make airline meal service a lot better today. So what are they doing? So this seems to be a new trend, at least in Europe, because for those of us in North America, uh, we have long since given up on expecting any meals, uh, free meals domestic, domestically. And um, boxes. there's a lot of pretty good food you have to buy on board on almost all airlines, regardless of whether they're legacy, uh, hub and spoke or uh, LCC. And after British Airways announced that they were doing away essentially with their free meals on their short and medium haul, um, now Lufthansa joins the club. Of course. And uh, I'm actually going to miss it because now apparently even I 
will not be able to get a cup of coffee on uh, intra-Europe Lufthansa flights. And so just uh, bring your own coffee. Yeah, go, it's not the same. Go to but the anyway, drink before your flight. It's you not the change. same. You got to change, Kusho. You got to change. I guess I do. Yes. <laughs> Lufthansa coffee was always very good. Nice <laughs> and strong, but, but I'm digressing. I won't miss anything. <laughs> so, yes, because you have a beer at breakfast time. Uh, well, you know, oh, come on. It's, we know, Kusho, I haven't had alcohol in a year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, carry on. So, so they have partnered with this um, company based in Munich called Dean and David, um, which sounds very much like something that sounds very similar in the U.S. I think Harry it's and Dean David? and DeLuca. Dean and DeLuca. <laughs> yeah. But this is a Munich-based company. It's, uh, as they call it, a young gastronomy company. Um, and... Uh, what they are looking for was healthy food, high quality ingredients, and a sustainable nutrition with a sense of responsibility and environmentally friendly packaging. Now, this should have been done a hell of a long time ago. Oh, the marketing of this stuff is so ridiculous, Kusha. It's like, you just give me food. Who cares what it comes in? You're supposed to figure that out. Oh, sorry. So, um, they're available on all, or they will be available on all Lufthansa flights, um, greater than 60 minutes. Um, I always thought that um, LSG Sky Chefs mm -hmm. was their catering partner, but then I discovered that in 2019, late, they sold it to Gate Gourmet, oh. which is a Swiss company. Well, they sold the Swiss, the European arm to Gate Gourmet. Oh, okay. So um, LSG Sky Chefs is still a separate entity in other parts of the world outside of Europe. Mm -hmm. So um, this company in Munich, Dean and David, is now going to be responsible to prepare essential components of uh, food like uh, salads, bowls, wraps, sandwiches, and uh, things like that. And then they're going to stick with Lufthansa's partnership with this other Munich company called Dalamir, Dalmir, I believe it's pronounced, for beverages, confectionaries, and uh, patisseries. Okay. Um, they're also going to include a special coffee that comes from uh, the Dano region of um, Ethiopia, which is in the central part of the country because Dalmer has apparently a huge investment in that part of the country with uh, a lot of support for the locals. So they're going to feature that on Lufthansa flights. So you'll get better coffee. Um, say that again? <laughs> you'll get better coffee, you just have to pay for it. Well, <laughs> I'm guessing so, but as I said before, Lufthansa should be paying me for this, but coffee on, on that airline is always very, very good. Well, too late now, so, it's gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, for instance, a bottle of juice will be three euros, as will a cup of coffee, tea, or um, hot chocolate, which yeah. I think is a little bit pricey, I'm but again. Krisha, that's where you um, have a lounge card. Yes, I know. But a bottle of water, and a small chocolate surprise, as they call it, will still be free on Lufthansa. Oh, okay, so that's good. So, right? 
Um, yes. And it's going to be offered in when the summer timetable rolls through, which should be in the May, June, July timeframe. And you can only place your orders on board. So unlike British Airways, you really can't pre-order before you board the aircraft. Like 24 hours before departure, you can't do that. You have to do it on board. All right. But as I said, US airlines have been doing this for years. So um, I guess the Europeans are now catching up. I just hope the Asians don't do it. No, Asia is a different culture. I don't think they will do that. And so, they'll actually buy the stuff. But um, I mean, when I fly, I don't really buy the onboard food. Um, when I don't either because it's sort of expensive. Yeah, it is expensive. I mean, it's another, well, when you think about it, it's, it is actually it's about between two price. and 12 euros each of the, um, the range of prices for the entrees. Yeah, but it's usually the same price as what you'd pay if you bought it at the airport. And so I have a, uh, I mean, you and I, we have a lounge cards, so we just use the lounges and you eat before your flight. But it's still, I think there's nothing going. like eating a meal on board an aircraft. You just like to eat food on a flying kusha, which is okay. Yes, I do. Which is okay. I do. Uh, kusha do, do enjoy his onboard meals. I've flown them many times and uh, he, he totally does enjoy the thing. Um, I mean, I, I'm okay with, you know, whatever, whatever they serve. Um, do, do just and it's a one hour, one, two hour flight for just, most of Europe. <clears throat> just fight business. Suck it up. You'll be fine. You so, know what it is? Um, the, the problem is that um, there is so much, when you have delays and stuff like that, you just get hungry because you were waiting and you can't go get mm -hmm. something to eat because you don't know if the flight's going to depart. And so when you get on board, you're like, oh, I'm so hungry now. And even though the flight's only an hour, you're hungry because you were waiting two hours before <laughs> to try to get stuff. Yeah. So get a launch card. There will be some. That's what I say. Get a there will be card. some flights longer than an hour, but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm amazed it took them so long to figure this out. Uh, yeah, they were wasting a lot of money. And, but, some of the and now I can... <laughs> oh, now you can watch. I can see Air France doing the same thing. Um, yeah, but... but After being... The culture might be different, though. I can't see French people paying for bread. <laughs> uh, thinking of that, I was, a, I was on a flight. Um, I think it was after the United flight years and years ago. And I was going to Paris. And um, the, uh, I was with uh, this guy who's French. And he's uh, we're, we're sitting in business class. And they brought the bread out. And he was like, that is not bread. <laughs> oh God! And he really? refused to eat it. I thought it was really good, but you know, he was like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was I'm sure the flight attendants were not amused. No, they weren't amused at all. But he he refused to eat it, and I felt bad eating it because it tastes okay to me. But you know, he's French, and the French knows their breads. <laughs> that they do. <laughs> Um, so, one of the things that I've always wanted to do and I finally did it was when I go to Paris, go buy a baguette and stick it under my arm because that's how the French got their bread around. And it was so cool doing that. And one thing I did too, um, I went- Take a shower before you did that? Um, well, yes, I did. I always shower every day. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a Jamaican American thing, I guess. 
<laughs> and who came up with it with saying that, that about the French? That is such a weird, weird stigma. I don't know where people get all that stuff from. We should find out the rumor, the rumor for that. But anyway, um, the French people are going to be really bad at us now. The, um, I went to, you might've been with me. Uh, might've been when we went, we went and we bought bread at the, at um, the Carrefour and we brought some cheese. We do that all the time though, right? Yeah, and, and we, we went down, went open. down by the Champs-Élysées <laughs> and they had bread and stuff and we ate it there, which is a big thing in the summertime. Cheese. Yeah, they, they, they buy bread, they buy cheese and they buy some wine and then they go sit on the banks of the Seine across some Notre Dame and, um, hmm. and then you have it right there. It's a big thing. Speaking of Notre Dame, is it, what are they doing with that? Is it being rebuilt? Or They're renovating it? it. It's going to be several years before it's ready. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So I haven't heard anything about it. Oh. So one um, all right. Uh, no, they, I believe they had Christmas services in 2020. Did they? In there. For the oh, first time since the five. Oh, okay. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. I'm not sure if it was open to the public, but they did have the choir and all that there. Oh, okay. Good deal. So, um, all right. So, yes, no more Lufthansa coffee on board. Well, for me, they'll please. still have it, Chris. Come on, you have to buy it and try it. It's only three euros, right? Fine, so, I'll get you to pay for it. Uh, there you go. Save up, your, <laughs> save up your euros, save up your US dollars. So, that's like maybe what, $3.50 <laughs> something weird like that. I don't know what the rates are these days. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, um, so one of the things that I was talking to a friend of mine about this recently. Um, people, like everyone is up in arms about health passports and things like that now. And they're like, oh, uh, why do we need that? And I'm like, you do realize that we already had that. This is not new. There are countries where you need to take malaria tests. You need to take uh, the male guy. You need to take um, yellow yellow fever tests and things like that. Uh, sorry, the dog is barking. <laughs> uh, um, and so because you need to take all these tests, there is a place that you have to put them. And normally it's on this yellow card that you get and they write all your vaccinations and you give it your passport and you show it. So now when people are talking about you need COVID tests, uh, COVID vaccine and stuff like that to fly, everybody's up in arms about it. And I'm like, this is not new people. You do, you just, just because you have the internet and you just learned about it doesn't mean it's new. So I say this because Etihad is coming up with something uh, because well, they're actually testing electronic, right? And so, yes, what, what, what's on your phone? Yeah. So I think this may be a good thing. I just wish there weren't so many competing versions of it. Always, because, because everybody wants the money. Right, and that's just going to cause a lot of confusion. Because from what I had read, the IATA one mm -hmm. uh, seemed to be the most comprehensive because most airlines in the world belong to IATA and it seemed to fulfill all the requirements of the different countries in the world. But now I found out that there's another one called the International Chamber of Commerce 
A-OK pass. Now, just to back up a little bit, Etihad is testing, already testing the IATA pass, the travel pass. So now they're also doing this ICC one on uh, their flights to Europe, to Paris. Um, this is, as I said, in, in collaboration with the International Chamber of Commerce and with uh, international SOS and um, the SGS group to create, as they say, a digital, secure, and portable cop copy of medical records. Um, <clears throat> it's launched in collaboration with this company called Medair, which is the, an international SOS company. Um, and it gives you a place to store all your test results um, on your mobile device. Uh, which is then verified with, um, as they called it, a global incorruptible blockchain-based network to ensure your results are valid and in line with um, government regulations. Um, <clears throat> for this Paris flight from Abu Dhabi, you're required to take a negative, you have a negative PCR test before you board, and then you're tested again on arrival in France. They've trialed this in uh, 2020 on flights to Pakistan from um, Abu Dhabi. And then Alitalia has been doing the same thing on their Rome and New York City flights, um, followed by the Italy to Cairo and Abu Dhabi. Mm -hmm. So they have tested this sufficiently, but now they've actually uh, implemented it on Abu Dhabi Paris for now. Um, I believe Singapore also uses it for um, Indonesia and Malaysian entries. Um, and it's planned to be operational about, at about 170 airports worldwide in, as they call it, the near future. And it's one of several, as we pointed out earlier, these vaccine passports that are expected to be in widespread use in the near, very near future. Yeah, it's it's, so, it's, it's just money for sure. Everyone is trying to to do it. So so uh, because even because like you said, Ayana already has the yellow card that everybody uses. Right, but yes, but this is. I mean, it is convenient to have it electronically stored. Well, yeah. I God mean, help you if you lose your phone though, um, or if you run well, out of battery. It, you're a hose. Just just like if you lost your passport, you're a hose. Chief. Yeah. So they need, I mean, if, if you lose your phone, you have to get another phone or you have to figure out a way to be able to get to your information. I assume, and this is the one they said information is gonna be stored in a phone, which is stupid. The information should be stored in a, in a database somewhere that, that's accessible even without your phone. But then that raises the hackles of um, privacy. Oh, yeah, but- You don't want dude, this information out on a public domain. So it's like damned if you do and damned if you don't. Yeah, but not everybody has a phone, Christian. As much as these people well, think everybody have a phone, everybody does not have a phone. And everybody does if not. If you're have traveling a phone. internationally, you better be damn sure you do. No, not everybody has a phone. And not everybody has a phone that has the the um the data and all that kind of stuff. So I think what we're doing that we're coming up with something for rich people. Not everybody has a phone. I know it sounds weird, but not everybody have a phone. Um I when I you would say ninety nine percent of the no, flying I don't public is that high. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, the older people do international flying public. Mm, 
I think we should go to other countries and see if everybody has a phone. Yeah. And everybody has a phone. And sometimes you can have a phone, but it's not a, a, a phone with- Smartphone. Like, smartphone. It could be a Correct. flip phone, it's a, it's a phone with, you know, you can call somebody or you can text somebody. So whatever they come up with- What a phone was meant to be. Yes. <clears throat> um, whatever they come up with, they should still think about, so if I don't have a phone, what happens? You're not going to let me fly because I don't have a phone? Well, that's stupid. Because I can, be I can less convenient. <clears throat> well, I can access the data someplace else. It's like saying, you know, when you used to fly, you don't need a mobile boarding pass to fly. You can print it out on a piece of paper and bring yeah. it. Out. So that's that's oh, the type but... of stuff they have to they have to think about. Because not everybody. I mean, yes, in this side of the world, everybody has a phone, but that's not the case um, everywhere else. So we need so, to. We need no, to... I'm really curious. What would happen to someone if they've lost their phone, left it on the plane, left it wherever, or it crashed and wouldn't charge. You are out of luck. Well, and exactly. So, and that happens all the time. So if that yeah. happens, they need to be able, they have my passport details. They need to be able to swipe that. Go up somewhere. <clears throat> it's like when you're coming into the US and they swipe your passport, it picks up all the data on you. I don't need my phone because you have my details. So then that um, passport chip has to be um enabled to accept all this additional information right <clears throat> uh well not necessarily the chip, and it could be pretty complex it's not being stored on your pass on your passport if it's right. being stored in your passport and it has to be written but normally you can't write to those uh you can only read right really from the, right. from that document right uh, who knows if that changes in the near future <clears throat> yeah but if that changes you have to reissue the passports because uh, you have to physically yes, yes, yeah. that chip yep. that sits inside the passport. And yes, there's a chip inside most passports. That's how come you can cross borders by just scanning your passport so, on these um, things. Um, yeah. So I think it's going to get very confusing for people to decide which one do I get? Yeah, these can, we, can we just go back to the yellow cards? <laughs> and who's going to put if I have a yellow card like I have one for Ghana from 2014 maybe and I think it's still valid like who's going to put that in there in the system am I going to be the one to put it in my phone or how are you going to trust me to make sure it's mm. right? you know but, and when I go to get it from the doctor how is the doctor going to put that into my into my like how how is the information entered because if the doctor is going to enter the information into some system and then my phone picks it up, then IATA can connect to that system or whatever country should be able yes. to Because <clears throat> you cannot trust us to put the information in. Because, yeah, people say- No, absolutely not. And not, right. That's how we had the cards. I agree it needs to be digital, but I also agree that um, the- Because the one we talked about before was the one that you said that it's only going to be on your phone. And like you said- if you're They're all die, moving towards that. They're yeah, all moving towards that. <clears throat> your battery dies when you're on the plane, which happens all the time. Um, you know, you lose yep. a phone. Um, I've dropped my phone at the start of a trip. And so mm -hmm. what happens when that happens? You know, so it's like, yeah. Yeah, it's just stupid. Um, they should still take my paper version. Uh, all right. <clears throat>
<clears throat> you don't get a paper version anymore, right? Well, that, that's the problem. All electronic. That is a problem. You know, we, we need to so. think this through. We need to think it through for smaller countries. The same thing with a vaccine. The smaller countries are, you know, people are not going to get vaccinated. But who cares about the smaller countries? Apparently, no. Since when have people cared about the smaller countries? Except when they need to go for vacation there. And they're like, oh, look at me. I'm in uh, country, country, really, really tiny country. Leisure destinations, perhaps. Yeah, they need but... to... Um, they need to figure figure all that stuff out. Well, even even the even in the Caribbean, um, you know, there's still you still see these stories about countries negotiating for vaccines and stuff like that for the tiny mm -hmm. tiny places in the Caribbean. Um, <clears throat> countries a weird one, Kasher. All right. Well, let's move to aircraft. Um, it's all about Boeing, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. So when Boeing made the Dash 8, the Dash 9, the Dash 10, it's all the Maxes. Don't forget the Dash 7. <laughs> uh, and the Dash 7. So it was all the, the Max 7, 8, 9, and 10. Um, the 10 is the one that Ryanair was going to get. Was that it? Yes. No, they, they still want it. They still want it. So they no. rolled it out. Yeah, what's going on now? So they rolled it out in 2019 uh -huh. um, after putting it into opera, uh, putting the design, free, freezing the design uh, or what they thought was freezing the design in 2011. So it's almost already been like 10 years. So it was supposed to be in service this year and then it was pushed to next year. Um, sorry, in 2020 and it was pushed to this year. Now, Boeing has pushed it back to 2023. <laughs> there isn't really a lot of uh, explanation as to why. Yeah. But my guess is that they are doing a complete revamp of this aircraft because um, they, this is the closest competitor uh, that Boeing has to the Airbus 321, the LR and the XLR, which threatened to take over the entire mid-range um, airline market with that. Yeah, but, uh, but they're going for sure because they don't have <clears throat> enough airplanes to cover the market. But anyway, carry on. <laughs> Say that again? They, they never will because they, they can't manufacture enough airplanes. True. That's exactly right. But That's exactly on. right. Yeah. But the aircraft is outselling the 737 MAX 10 by an order of five to one. So this aircraft is clearly not um, adequate enough for a lot yeah. of airlines, even though it does have a fair number of orders from airlines like United, um, Lion, and uh, uh, Ryanair. So my guess is that uh, Boeing is doing a complete uh, rethink of this plane, even though they really don't have a lot of time to do it. But um, uh, it seems like they want to get this right. Mm -hmm. from the get-go instead of having to do um, a retrofit or whatever because already this plane is different from the other Maxes in that it has the longer undercarriage it has longer wheels to be able to take the bigger engines so um, it will be interesting to see what the big changes are to the 737 Max 10 
but I guess we will have to wait at least a couple of years to find out. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be because um, the LR version of the 321 is already out, but the XLR comes out a little bit later. Right. So um, um, they figured that, I mean, I guess that gave Boeing the idea that it did have a little time to tinker with the Max 10 to make it at least a little bit of a competition yeah. with Airbus, but um, we'll see what happens. <clears throat> um, so. yeah, that makes sense. Because as you mentioned that uh, the XLRs and the A321, did you see the new um, Mint Studio? Yes, I did. That JetBlue has? Yes. Um, what do you think of it? I wasn't quite sure, not that I've flown in Mint class. I don't know why they needed a new one because the previous one looked pretty good, even though this is now uh, enclosed. This is like, uh, uh, it's like a capsule course. almost. Yeah. You have your own private quarters. And for a narrow body, that's pretty substantial because they're going to debut it, I believe, on the flights to London which will be on the 321s. Now, when I saw it, it's, it's a single cabin? It's a? It's, it's a single cabin, so there's no economy. It's a one-in-one configuration. Yeah, it's just all mint. And it's all that herringbone. Yeah. It's all mint. Like, no, in front, in front. No, I don't think there's anything else in it. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Right, there isn't any economy. It's economy. only in the front. There is an economy class. Well, I, I, I thought so, yes, but I kept is. looking and I go, I didn't see anything that suggests that there's any other part of the plane. That plane isn't very big and it's holding, it's holding mm-hmm. they have 24 of them already in there. So I'm like- The 321? Yes. Yeah, that's, that's 12 rows. <clears throat> well, so. that's most of the plane. No, no, I wouldn't say most of the plane. Yes, that's most of so, the plane. <laughs> um, so, I mean, the, the, it was it was kind of, I, did, I didn't understand it. I'm like, I don't know what you're doing. So where's the rest of the plane? And, uh, <laughs> and, and they clearly didn't mention it. They didn't mention the economy, no. No, they, they mentioned nothing about Correct. economy in it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I thought, I kept looking, I read it two times, three times, and I go, I don't see what's going on. I don't know what's going on. Maybe this is it. Um, but I still think London, um, Heathrow, London on, I'm sorry, Heathrow, New York, London or Boston, London is, shouldn't be happening. There's, well, we too, find much, out. there's too much competition on that oh, yeah, already. And it's like, okay, fine, JetBlue. So you're fine there now. Okay. Okay. Good. Plus with that, with that new mint thing. Um, they've completely gotten rid of half of their competition. I mean, half of their customers um, because, you know, they're, they're a low-cost airline. Although maybe they're doing like, um, what's the other one that started the low-cost? Oh, WestJet started low-cost and now it's no longer yeah. low-cost. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I didn't understand, um, understand that. And maybe if someone's listening and understand uh, what's going on? As I said, the, pr- the current product is not that old. 
No, it's not. I mean, <clears throat> they said they wanted to do something different. You know, the usual, they want it, they want it. It's, it's the marketing things like, we have the best this, we have the best that. Right. But in this day and age this. where airlines are bleeding money to roll this out, I guess they had it, the they investment had already in. Right? Yeah. They had it planned before. They had the seat set up and all so, that kind of thing. Um, but, but anyway, uh, for 2023, it's going to be interesting because it's going to be when Boeing has two new products out, this Max 10, hopefully, yes. and the 777-9, which has also been delayed about two years. Uh, so, um, um, yeah, but, but, but also they're doing this new NMA thing. What's going on with Yes. That? So that was the next topic we were going to talk yeah. about. The, the new mid-sized aircraft. Um, because Boeing made a big deal about it a couple of years ago, and they were discussing it, what seemed interminably with airlines. They just couldn't pull the trigger and launch it. Well, it turns out it's a good thing they didn't, because um, now the analysts are claiming that it was too big. Um, it was initially designed to carry about 270 passengers, mm-hmm. um, uh, with a 4,000 to 5,000 nautical mile, which is about 7,500 to 9,000 kilometers, um, to essentially replace the 757 and the 767, uh, possibly in two versions, one as a wide body with two aisles and one as a narrow body. Okay. But now what the analysts want um, is a 220, 230 seat max capacity uh, aircraft uh, designed to replace the 757 only, but everything else has to be new. So the capacity should stay the same as a regular 757, but everything from the engineering to the design and whatever has to be new. So Boeing has started specifications on this new NMA. They're calling it NMA V2 for version two. And they're already apparently talking to a lot of carriers about it. Um, And the reason they have cut back from the 270 seat capacity is because that comes awfully close to the uh, seating configuration of a typical 787-8. Okay. And they don't want any cannibalization because 787 is Boeing's cash cow. But that order book has also been stagnating for the 787. It's just that white bodies are in a slump right now. Nobody wants them because there's just no demand for them. Exactly. So Boeing absolutely has to keep its sales pipeline for the 787 intact without any sort of encroachment from a newer um, aircraft deck. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the reasons why um, Boeing has gone back to the drawing board. And they desperately need a product between the 737 MAX and the 787. Now, Airbus with the 321neo, the XLR, and the Airbus 330-800, the gap between those is really very small. So they have a pretty comprehensive product range for all different passenger capacities. So it's Boeing, the one, Boeing who's the one that really needs to 
uh, bridge that difference between the 737 series, the largest version of that, and the 787, which is their smallest wide body. And that's the reason why the urgency for going to have something in response to the Airbus uh, 321XLR um, is uh, getting stronger by the day or year, as it turns out. So they expect that um, if they have this aircraft frozen by 2022, um, they could launch it and have it ready for delivery in the 2027-2029 timeframe, which would also give uh, the XLR a run for its money. At the same time, aircraft engine technology is really not... um, expected to advance a great deal um, in two years. So that's another reason why um, I guess Boeing has had to, has launched this uh, refurbished, if you will, NMA uh, concept aircraft. Okay, it's about time they got their act together. But because they've been, um, that's been going on for ages, on off for a little while, right? Yes. Uh, all right. Well, so at least it's somewhat good news coming out of Boeing, right? Um, I'm, so I'm sure is, they will do a good job because hopefully they have learned their lesson from the Max debacle. No, where is it going to be built? <laughs> yeah, the moon. <laughs> Carolina, man, it's going to the... No, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> There's no space. I don't know. In South Carolina. I don't know. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's one to be seen. All right. So we're going down the news alley. And um, because of the new strains of COVID or the new strain of COVID, um, that were found, I guess, in was it South Africa and the UK. Um, the countries are going in lockdown again. Um, and the next one up is Israel. So what's going on with them? This is a pretty... Um, I'd never heard of a country doing this, actually, uh, recently. In the past, yes. But Israel recently, overnight in um, mid-January, they announced that they were banning all commercial airline traffic into and out of Israel. Uh, The only exceptions were overflights, cargo flights, and emergency aircraft. Mm. Um, They've also excluded private planes uh, with the passengers for medical purposes, for essential workers, um, movement of of, passengers, citizens to their residences and funerals of close relatives. So all traffic is shut down uh, for about two weeks until the end of January. But uh, that has come and gone. And uh, the country is still shut down until possibly the middle of February. Mm. Because I was checking to see if they had reinstated flights, but they're all still pretty much zeroed out all flights to and from Israel. Yeah, and I did see something <clears throat> that said it may go until the end of the month, but I wasn't sure. Okay. 
Um, because they have been one of the, they are the leading country to vaccinate its their citizens. So they're hoping for herd immunity pretty soon. Yeah. Um, but um, as of now, there is no travel to Israel on a commercial flight. Well, there you have it. I guess that's the way to do it. But when you're a small country, it's a lot easier to do than when you're it is. a well, large. Fact, I mean, Australia have done that. <clears throat> New Zealand have done that. Um, yes. I saw something that said, um, I can. But Australia is still allowing flights in with very, very limited passenger loads. Yeah. Israel has just said no. No, we're done. Yeah, because even Australia, um, I think I saw someone said they're having some cases in Western Australia. Yes. And so yes. They, they've locked it, they've locked it down. And people are bitching about it. I'm like, well, they're trying to control it. Now, meanwhile, um, I haven't heard anything about Taiwan. I guess life is good in, in Taiwan. Uh, yeah, you don't hear anything about yeah. them. So, um, hmm. Or China, for that matter, or South Korea. Yeah. I think I heard that South Korea did um, get things under, I guess, yeah, I guess they have things under control. Otherwise, we would hear differently, right? Yeah. <clears throat> um, all right. Uh, so. Testing. We're back to testing again. <laughs> um, uh, one of the issues that we have is that we don't yet have easy ways to test. Like the only reason why, the, why, why they say you have to have a test within 72 hours is because it takes that long to get the results back. And so yes. um, if we need to really figure out testing that works, um, you know, so literally I can go to a cash machine and buy a testing kit. So who's doing that? Or a machine? Well, now you can at Oakland International Airport in California. Can I get one at my neighborhood Walgreens? <laughs> I believe it's coming. And is it like $5 instead coming. of 140 <laughs> Yep. These are 130 to 150 um, And it's their touchless kiosks at the airport in both terminals one and two uh, for the PCR testing, which is the most comprehensive yet. So this is not the rapid test. Okay. Um, and it also includes... Um, uh, return service by FedEx to the lab where it will be assayed and your results transmitted to you via your mobile phone. From a company called uh, uh, Wellness for Humanity and the actual uh, machines, the vending machines are produced by a company called Swift. And this is part of um, Oakland's proposal to make traveling to Hawaii easier because Hawaii requires PCR tests before you leave um, your origin uh, city. Um, or and or enter. you can do the quarantine. Or you can do the quarantine, correct. So this is a way to avoid the quarantine, right. which is, I believe, two weeks or is it 10 days? I forget. It's no, I believe days, it's two weeks. It Maybe may 14. Two weeks. Just figure 14 days. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and Hawaii is not exactly cheap. So um, the last thing you want to do there is be stuck in your room for 14 days. Uh, yeah. So, But I just thought this was interesting that um, uh, I'm surprised it hasn't come out earlier. Well, vending machines I, dispensing COVID test kits. 
it's, a, it's always funny when they say touchless. That's baloney. A lot of people are using the word touchless. I got to pick the thing up. I got to open it and it was going to just spit it out and I catch it in my hand. No, but I guess that the, the kit is sterile, but um, yeah, the touch- I'm not exactly sure how that you get it to come out of the machine without touching the machine, but yeah, maybe there's a way. I haven't, seen, I haven't seen a picture of it. Yeah, a lot of these people who talk about touch tests. Um, it's like when I when I checked in at the was it the, the Marriott in Denver? They're like, oh yeah, we have touch tests. And a guy goes, "May I see your credit card?" And I showed it to him. He goes, "May I swipe your credit card?" I'm like, "No, you said touchless." It's <laughs> like, well, well, which part of touching my credit card is touchless? So yeah, a lot of these uh, companies are just weird. Uh, they like to use these things because they're good at marketing, but you know, in reality, yes, it doesn't really happen. Um, so I guess I had a question about this: is so how do I take the swab? Do I stick it up my nose? Yes, it's a nasal swab. Yes. Yeah, but we know that people are not going to stick it far enough. So how is that? How is that working? But I don't think you need to go far enough. All you need to be is in your nasal passages. Well, you just had, you, you've had a few, right? How far yes. have they gone? Um, well, lately I had a man, uh, someone else do it and they went pretty high. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yes. I mean, when you do it yourself, yes, you go high, but not this high. Right. And so are the results <clears throat> going to come back negative because you didn't have enough? Like, like, how do you know? Um, you, how do you know you've 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 given enough of a sample? I think if you don't have any sample, you see, it's a PCR test, so you really need a microscope beyond a microscopic, smaller than a microscopic amount of material. Yeah, but how do you know? But if you uh, don't have anything, I'm yeah. sure that would trigger some some sort of uh, warning that you know people could just dip it in water and submit it to try and cheat the system if you wanted to. Well, yeah. So I don't, but, I I don't know about these um at home at home things because I don't trust most people. Yeah, um, but you know, come on, people get letters to say that their their pony is a uh, comfort animals. So there. <laughs> but I guess you have to rely some, at least partly, on trust. But you're right yeah, about yeah. that. Yeah, you do have to trust. If someone people. wants to cheat the system, they will find a way yeah. to cheat the system. But even you know, even if a regular person, right, who's just taking it, I'm just you know, and I guess I assume that they've thought about this, like how much sample is it actually taking? Yeah, is it getting the right amount? And I assume there there's something on the little swab thing that says, "Yep, I've gotten enough sample." No, uh, yeah. not well. Yeah, Not to my knowledge, but okay. So, but yeah, you're right. I don't know what would stop someone from just taking the swab and putting it directly back into the little test tube to mail back to FedEx via FedEx instead well, of guess, actually taking the test. Well, I guess something has nose. to be on it, right? Because they could tell that there is no human DNA on it. Yes, yes. So um, they yes. have to. You have to do something with it. Correct. Make sure it works. I'm assuming maybe it changes color. I did see that they did have one where- You see you have reference reference uh, uh, samples as well. So oh, to at least make yeah. it. And do you, yeah, I don't know. 
Um, we just need to come up with the spit test needs to work. Yeah. Or but that's I, another I, thing though, right? I saw, yeah, I saw thing. something, in, in, um, I saw something where in China, they're actually doing a, a, a test, anal. A, a anal test. Yeah. Now, why would you need to do that? I don't understand. Well, you can see then, Krishna, you know exactly that you got a proper sample, right? <laughs> <laughs> you, there is no if, under, but about I but wrong. <laughs> I guess I'm a comedian today. Uh, but you know, you you know you got a sample. It's good. <laughs> can you imagine the the privacy issues there? Well, it's no different, Kusha. I mean, no, it is very different. Why right? you sticking up my nose or my butt? It doesn't matter. We if take they... injections in our butts too. <laughs> yeah, you, but would you like someone else to stick something up your butt? My doctor does it every year. <laughs> <laughs> We're veering a little too close to being risky. <laughs> That's pretty funny. But, you know, I mean... Uh, it's, I don't understand why you have to do that. Yeah, I, 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 didn't, I didn't really uh, get... But Plus I the cleanliness it, issues? Oh, God. Well, I would not want to be a tester there. Well, maybe because people are winching, you know, about the nose thing, you know, so I, I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe so, they find that they get more reliable samples from your stool rather than from your mucus. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a scientist. <laughs> All right. So on a more pleasant note. <laughs> um, so uh, people are flying. And uh, the airlines have no money, right? So the airlines want your money. And they realize that uh, people just, people want to travel, but they, and this is not, not something new. Uh, people want to travel, but they'd rather pay for um, stuff <clears throat> in time because they don't have all the money to pay up front. Um, so they've come up with these book now, pay later schemes. And uh, Kush is going to give us some more details on what's going on. So this was a very interesting article in USA Today. Now, after talking to you, I found out that you've actually used some of these mm -hmm. and they've always been in uh, the system. It's just that post or during the, this pandemic era, they've taken on a much more pronounced role, especially in travel, where you can book a trip now and pay later. And these two companies, one of them is called Uplift and the other one's called Affirm. Um, have announced that uh, their average daily transaction volume, for instance, for um, Uplift, has gone up by over 30% month over month in December and close to 35% month over month in January. So what it is, is that these two companies, they, they cater to very similar markets, but Uplift, for instance, has partnered with what it claims are more than 150 airlines, cruise lines, vacation packages, and resorts to offer a budgeting tool to uh, customers to spread out purchases rather than putting it all on uh, a credit card for immediate payment in one installment. Um, it's supposed to be a more economical way of arranging for payment in that the interest rates are uh, not as outrageous as credit cards, for instance. 
um, and Affirm, which is another third party financing site, um, also caters to customers willing to pay in installments for fitness equipment, electronics, furniture, and now travel. So each customer is put on an installment package plan that is set beforehand with or without a low interest rate. Um, so it offers, as I said, significant advantages over um, credit card sites. And um, there is um, no refund. Really, that's the one thing that you do have to wor worry about. Um, and they've also got a lot of competition from airlines who are doing the same thing. So one advantage of these third-party financing sites is that if you get this book now, pay later plan with an airline, um, you do not get your cash back, you get a voucher. So in essence, you get credit, which you don't have with these third-party sites. Um, they've also had different um, travel agencies, especially to South America and Africa, where um, you can pay a deposit on your trip and secure yourself a spot with the deal and have um, to do nothing until a specific number of days before departure, typically 30 or 21. Um, for instance, there's this company called Intrepid Travel. Um, then there's another one called G Adventures um, and another one called Backroads, mm -hmm. which is supposedly an upscale tour operator. Yeah, they're all big travel That um, has these plans um, on offer for a lot of travel. So it's apparently to cater to the newly budget conscious among us who have been impacted by yeah, um, really. the pandemic. So I think USA Today just wanted to um, get people- Fill their columns. No, it was, I mean, it's become more important. Yes, well, it yeah, but it's there, there but new. more and more people are using it. Yeah, but it's 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 not it's not new, Kusho. It's been around um, for a long time. I mean, I did an article last August about about it, hmm. where I talked about the agencies uh, like Priceline. I've been using it for a while. Um, um, I think was it United, Lufthansa. Yeah, um, a lot of the airlines have it. Um, I think with of, PayPal also, right? Yes. So some will use PayPal <clears> as well. <throat> and what you can do is. Um, you can you can use your PayPal account to pay, or you can get the PayPal financing um, to do it. Mm. The cool thing about uh, uh, like a firm, for example, you can buy anything with a firm, anything. Yes, else. yes, they uh, said so. And what they do, and I don't is, think Uplift has that ability. No, no. A firm by far is the best and more flexible one. So with a firm, like if you wanted to buy a computer, you go to say Apple. And you say, okay, my computer is $1,000 or it's Apple computer. So let's say it's $2,000. And what you do, you come back to a firm and you apply for $2,000. And they basically give you a virtual credit card. And then you take that virtual credit card and you go over to Apple and you pay for it. Then what they do, they come back with the, um, they, let's say you wanted 2,000, but the computer was 1,800. 
then they give you about the credit for the 200 and then you start paying them over time, usually a year. And you can pay off at any time. There's no penalty or anything like that. And so the airfares work, work very, very, um, very, very similar. And as you go through the booking process, when you pick that option, it tells you what the payments are and it goes and it gives you the credit. The, the cool thing is that right. the airline gets the money right now. And I believe there's no penalty for later. paying it in a, ahead of yours, ahead no, of schedule. No. There is no, there is no prepayment penalty. Um, so, so, uh, so that's, so that's good. And the airline gets the money right away. And those companies are the ones and they don't use like a firm doesn't use your credit. Um, they use your phone. Everything is tied to your phone number. Um, so it's as good as your, I guess your credit is as good as your phone, your phone credit. Hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's not, it's, so. it's not bad. So I'm glad that, um, you know, people are finding other ways to pay. In, in some other countries, they use, um, you can buy it, you can buy tickets with your phone and it gets billed to, on your phone bill. And so you pay it just like how you pay your phone bill is how you would pay for the airline. <clears throat> so there's a bunch of creative ways for the uh, airline yes. to, get their, to still get their money. Um all right, so I think that was the yeah, last. We have a bad internet connection. It keeps going in and out. It just gave me the internet connection so, is unstable. Can you hear me again now? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, all I right. can. But it's good though, because I think we've covered all the topics we wanted to for this. Yes, week. we have covered the topics and I wanted to get some. Uh, and we're at close to an hour. Yeah, oh, I wouldn't worry about the time. I was looking at some other podcasts about aviation and they're about an hour. Um, so it's all good. Uh, let's see. Okay, so we have some feedback or some comments from um, one of our readers. It's actually quite good. Uh, let me just see. Da -da -da -da. All right. So you had some comments in episode 65, which was the previous episode, we talked about the black boxes, right? And we were saying that why it's 2021, why can't we have live updates? Mm. Why do we have to wait on this black box? So he says- um, This is regarding the Siri Vijaya 737 crash in Indonesia. Yes. Recently. Yeah. <clears throat> it's aviation in general. Where they had trouble finding the cockpit voice re data recorder. Exactly. And he says, um, so you wondered why black box tech hasn't been changed to constant data feed to satellites. I imagine that the logistics are unfeasible and overkill. So currently the recording of black box data is localized and thus stored on each plane. It's easy to manage that data is physically stored on the plane. Uh, to change the system to satellites, every single airplane would have to send its data to a satellite. What does the satellite do with this data? Uh, where does it store it? Are these store satellites right. be reserved solely for aviation use? If not, what about all of the other non-aviation data these satellites process? Uh, what does that do to the satellite bandwidth, storage capacity, et cetera, et cetera? And would digitizing this stuff could make it vulnerable to cyber attack or government manipulation? <laughs> I mean, a valid point, right? A valid, very but valid if, point. But if we can launch uh, or we can land a, a probe on a meteorite, yeah, I would imagine there would be a better way to keep track on an airline 
aircraft every minute, every second of its flight. I mean, know yeah, exactly but, where it is. Well, because Airbus monitors that data because they were doing it for that flight that crashed over. over um... Yeah, but I think Boeing does the same thing. Right? Yes. Yeah, they do that. So, and yes, of course, it's a little lot of planes out there, a lot of data going back and forth. But, um, okay. But anyway, so that so that was his feedback. Um, all right. So but yeah, the storage more. and the volume of the information would be just beyond imagination. But remember, we don't we don't store it um, like we don't need it if nothing happens. Right, but you don't know, right? <clears throat> well, well, correct. But then we we normally get rid of it, so we just get rid of them. In terms of data storage, you just be getting rid of stuff like every time a plane lands and goes to the gate. And no, but you don't know if, um, let's say, the, the crew had some trouble, yeah, with something, and it. I mean, they eventually resolved it, and then the next flight there is a <clears throat> catastrophic incident. You don't know. So uh, if you didn't have the previous flight to to know that something was not behaving normally, you wouldn't know that. Well, we don't have that today. Yeah, we do. No. So um, all that stuff in the- gets, All that stuff- No, in the, in the Lion Air crash yeah. of the 737 MAX, they knew that on previous flights, the crew were having trouble- Well, right, but it's only the, the, the one of the plane. forward, I think. Okay, so we just so we just store them every other- We, 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 we can figure it out. We store, we, we do exactly what, what a box does today, which yeah. it, it doesn't store the information forever and it doesn't store a lot of flights. So we just do what it does today, at least as a basis. Because I think a black box rewrites, overwrites. It um, does overwrite. I'm not sure how often, I don't but it does know. overwrite. Yeah, it does overwrite. Overwrite yeah. um, the information. Um, so. And I guess the other thing, I mean, we, we, we save, I guess we save the external transmission, but we don't save what's happening inside the plane. Internally, yeah. yeah. Because that is the most important, right? It is, it is, because they can turn it off so. if they don't want us to figure out what's going on. Um, all right, so one more kind of comment he had. It said, you mentioned that aviation accounts for only 2% of carbon emissions. This is what we're talking about. Yes. Um, what was the story you were talking about? Uh, was it United or something? We're going to go um, neutral by 2050 or something like no, that. No, it was Boeing committing to 100% uh, sustainable fuel by 2030. Okay. For its aircraft. Um, <laughs> God, I was totally wrong on that one. <laughs> so it said you mentioned that aviation accounts for only 2% of carbon emissions. Um, he said, what I'm about to say is meant to be very fuzzy. My information is very old now, but what I read is that the concern with aviation is not the total tonnage of emissions, but the theory that emitting carbon so much higher in the atmosphere makes that 2% much more deadly, in quotes. Um, again, hmm. I don't know how much of this is theory or speculation, directionally proven in the lab, et cetera, uh, et cetera. But the idea is that the ground-based carbon is less damaging to the ozone layer because it dissipates, gets partially absorbed or whatever. Uh, release the carbon closer to the ozone layer makes it more lethal. But I would imagine the winds at those altitudes would do the same thing, but I don't know. He's, yeah. That's a valid point. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. That's quite interesting. 
Oh, and uh, and given that isn't the ozone layer is at like eighty or ninety thousand feet, I think, and most aircraft operate at thirty or forty thousand. Um, That's still yeah, a big difference, but still. <clears throat> yeah, it's still again with the winds and the, all that. I would expect the dispersion of carbon dioxide to be more significant up there at that altitude than it would be closer to the earth. Yeah. But yeah, that point. I know, right? Okay, so and and here's another point. Um, he was intrigued by the question: How do you get a Q400 to Canada? Because <laughs> we were talking about well, people his, are listening. Very know, minute. Right? Very. Um, uh, so it says, while not the most efficient route, based in its normal range of 2,040 kilometers, you could comfortably make Canada by these segments, Glasgow to Keflavec, which is um, Indonesia, to go- You mean Iceland, right? I mean, sorry, that's Indonesia. <laughs> oh, where's my brain? Uh, to Iceland, oh, that'd be a nice flight. Really in Indonesia? Indonesia. Uh, to Keflavik, Iceland, and then to Go, which is in which is Nuke, and then to Gander. Oh, that's Greenland. Yeah, Nuke. So, isn't so, Nuke in Greenland? Yeah, so he's thinking huh. it would go Glasgow, Iceland, Greenland, Gander, and then you know okay. you're, you're on Canadian yeah. side. And he says um, the latter leg is one thousand seven hundred and ten kilometer kilometers. So you may choose uh, Waybush, which is YWK in Labrador City instead. Um, because a lot of the Embraer flights, for instance, from Brazil to Europe, yeah, uh, they cross the Atlantic. Yes, they do. So, yeah. And then he's mentioned- and I think they go uh, via the Azores and they could also have additional fuel tanks um, on board, I, I would imagine. Um, if you go by the, um, the Azores, that would be really long. It is long, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. it is long. But, but, but so it would still be shorter than going all the way up to North America, to Canada, to Greenland, so to Iceland. You had that long piece that you have to do between the Azores and Boston. That's pretty far. No, but Boston is not in the picture, right? For Embraer, from Brazil well, to Europe. Well, right. But why would you why would you come so far down rather than just stay up in the north where, where you can see you're still within but see, the Azores are sort of middle Atlantic. Yeah, but you don't need to not, go mid Atlantic. Not really near. If What's that? Stay, if you stay north, you don't need to go mid Atlantic because then you're too far down. Right? No, but you come you go off you into the Atlantic off the northeast coast of Brazil. Yeah, well, well right? are, we, are we still talking about the Q400's crossing? No, 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 I'm sorry, I'm talking about Embraer. I'm oh, sorry, okay. sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, we're talking about different things. They probably put extra tanks in there for the Embraer's. Probably. Just like how they do when they go to Hawaii on the 717s and they have the extra tanks in like there. Like for instance, for Japan on, yeah. and uh, Northeast Asia for Embraer's, mm -hmm. I would imagine they would have to go by Alaska. Yes, and because, just across. But they probably do extra tanks. Yeah. yeah. That, that, I did, I, I need to find the 717 photo uh, when- um, Qantas had them. 
Um, Who has them? How yeah. did they get them there? Well, probably the same way, the extra tanks. Not all the way up and all the way down. Yes, all that way, yeah. Yeah, they just do the extra tanks. And, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, that would, be, that would be good to see. He did mention again, there's an airline in St. John's called PAL. PAL Airlines, uh-huh. it's actually a provincial, provincial airlines. Uh-huh. He says that um, they fly Dash 8, Dash 100s from Wabush to Quebec City. Okay. So, Where um, is Wabush? I've heard Wabush that, uh... is La- Labrador City. Okay. So that's how he was saying that um, uh, you, can, you can do Wabush uh, to, you can do Nuke to Wabush instead of Nuke to Gander. Okay. Um, because Wabush, Labrador City has the, the runway, the runway is long enough. Hmm. Yeah. So that was pretty it's reassuring that at least one person is listening. <laughs> at least. No, we do. I mean, do we get, we get thousands of downloads. If people are listening, they don't necessarily comment. So, uh, you know, unless, unless the story, um, you know, resonates with them, then they won't necessarily comment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the other one was, um, we had talked about, we had talked about how Delta had the, um, the, those COVID safe flights. Yes. Um, and- the Rome. Yeah, so one of my friends took it uh, from Los Angeles to Rome, Los Angeles to Atlanta to Rome to the Netherlands. And, um, he says, um, uh, the Delta test is arranged with lab and super organized. They had decided they have dedicated gates right by the Sky Club where you register, check in, and then wait uh, in a room for your results. Then they link it to your boarding pass and you, you can't get on a flight without it. Hmm. And this is now required for all arrivals into Amsterdam connection or staying. Uh, it only paid... I only paid for my own 72 hour test before flying okay. <laughs> in LA and, um, and the test in Atlanta and the one they do in Amsterdam on arrival is free as part of your flight. Right, but and, that was part of a trial though. Yeah, but they're still doing that. And it did, yes, it, yeah. it but I think off. when it's, if and when it finally comes to, you know, when they implement it, I think yeah. it will be the responsibility of the passenger. Well, yeah, but but the ticket was eighty dollars more, so they're charging you for it. Okay. Um, and okay. it said that they tested at least one hundred and fifty people, um, based on the numbers that she saw, and between Rome and Amsterdam flights, uh, the flight was pretty empty. So most people okay. are just connecting and going other places. Um, to, 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 okay. Uh, Blah, 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 blah. And let me just check one sec again. Blah, blah, blah. But yeah, so now, so that just you know, get an idea of what's going on with these things that we do mm-hmm. report. There are actually people that are um, doing the test. I'm just trying to read here. Okay. So um, she was on the COVID test flight that experimented on Roman and Amsterdam. Um, blah 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 blah. I guess on the on the other flights they do the same thing that they do today. So there is no testing. 
but it is the rapid test that they're using in Atlanta. Yes. Top of the four. Otherwise, um, it's impossible. 72 hour test that you have to do before. Um, but so basically, you have, if you're going to Amsterdam, you're going to be tested four times because you had to test um, to 72 hour Three before. Three days before. You got to test the one in Atlanta when you do. And then you have to test when you arrive. And then you test again four days later. Yeah. Um, and then you're. So I know Germany had. Um, I think we talked about this several weeks ago. They had a little machine where you could get your results in a few minutes. Yeah. But I haven't heard anything about that being implemented on a large scale. But so the key is making rapid rapid testing more reliable. Yes. Yeah. So basically, I walk up to the airport. You test me right there, and you know, moments later, it connects to my boarding pass, and I get my boarding pass, right? Yep. Um, whether yep. it's in my phone or wherever the boarding pass is, and you know, I go through security. Right. I do my, I do my, you know, facial coverings or whatever I do, and I'm on my way. And then when I get to the other side, those results should be transmitted to the other side, just like how you transmit that I'm coming. I'm so sure that, that is. That yeah. Today. Um, yeah, because otherwise you wouldn't be allowed to board. Well, well, yeah, but I think what she was saying that um, the information was trans. They didn't ask anything on arrival. Mm. Um, so well, they know that you wouldn't have been allowed to board if you were correct. You wouldn't be you wouldn't be able to leave. But um, I assume yeah. that they I assume that they have all that information. Sure. There. But good. So just you know, I just wanted to give you an update on that. Um, I think that's all we had. Yep. All right. Well, um, thank you guys for listening. And um, remember, you can, you know, we we do read your comments when we get them. So please uh, send them through. Um, and uh, you can find us at passrider.com slash WHIT, or you can send an email to feedback at passrider.com or just go to passrider.com and send me a message. And uh, we're on Spotify, we're on Amazon, we're on Apple, iTunes, you know, go download and leave a comment there. Uh, we actually have a lot more downloads than we do on, on iTunes. Actually, if you wait one sec, I will tell you how many downloads we had last week. Um, give me a one sec. You think people care? Oh, yeah. People should always be care. We're, we're like, oh, of course, the computer is really slow. Uh, okay, here we go. Weekly update. So last week, this is Monday, the January 25th to Sunday, January 31st. We had 12,912 downloads. Hmm. So that's actually, you know, not bad. Um, episode 60 had 8,584. Episode 64 had 2,213, and episode 57 had 1,959. Um, okay. So we're downloading and listening. So we want to hear from you guys. Anyway, that's all, all we right. have. Today. Well, thank you for listening. All right, man. Be good. We'll talk soon. And um, so signing off, um, this is Kerwin and my buddy. For sure. And we're signing off from episode 66 on Saturday, February 6, 2021. All right, talk to you soon.